Welcome to Tanakh Daily, a congregation Ahavas Torah initiative. Today, we are studying the 21st parak of Sefer Shmuel, and it is a short parak that includes two interesting and connected stories. David parts ways with Yonatan and he heads to Nov, fleeing Shaul. Uh, Nov is a city, it's a, it's a center of, uh, of religious practice, it's a city of Kohanim, and the chief Kohen Achimelech comes out to greet David. He does so with a sense of trepidation and fear, maybe because he senses that something's a little off, something's a little wrong. Why is David coming by himself? What's the context? So David comes up with the following story. David says, I'm on a secret mission from the king, and I have my men that are nearby, and we need bread. We are, uh, we're in need of bread. Achimelech explains, well, I have only special sanctified bread, which cannot be eaten in a state of impurity. And so I don't think I can give that to you. David says, no, actually, it works out perfectly. My men and I, we're pure. We, uh, we're, we are, we're not Tameh. We can eat this bread. It's not so clear what bread is actually being discussed here. Is it the show bread? Is it the lechem apanim? Or is it perhaps uh, a th- the bread from a carbon toda, from a Thanksgiving offering, uh, each of which would carry a different level of, uh, of sanctity and different halachos? The showbread is only consumed by kohanim. The, lechem hapan, the, the, the bread from the carbon toda can be eaten by non-kohanim. So there's a, a, a little bit of a debate regarding what we're talking about. But either way, David himself is, is asking for this bread because we know that he's in dire straits. He simply needs food for survival. So... Whatever the case may be, David really needs this bread. He tells Achimelech uh, that uh, in addition to the bread, so Achimelech provides him with the bread, and then he tells Achimelech that in addition to the bread, he really needs a weapon because, wouldn't you know it, he was dispatched with such haste. He was just sent out uh, so quickly that David forgot to bring a weapon with him. Is there, perchance, a weapon in Nov that David could take? And... As luck would have it, there was just one weapon. And what was it? It was the sword of Goliath himself. The sword of Goliath, who David had killed. Maybe it's a Nov because it's associated with this great miraculous victory, and so it takes on a certain religious significance, and therefore it's, it's being held in the city of Nov. Maybe it's just uh, very much by chance. But in any event, he's got this, the sword of Goliath, Achimelech allows David to take that, and now David is on his way, no longer starving, he's got bread, and no longer unarmed, he's got the sword of Goliath. There's just one additional detail which is important to note, and that is that when David is here in the city of Nov, one of Shaul's officers identify him and, and see that he is there. They see what's going on, and that Achimelech is, uh, is, is helping him. It's a detail that's kind of ominous, foreshadows uh, things that will come uh, in the coming prakim, and it's an important detail. We'll just file that away for now. I'd like to pause here and consider how we're supposed to read, how we're supposed to evaluate David's behavior here. To my mind, there is there are two available readings to us. There's a, a neutral, even positive reading on the one hand, and then there's a very negative reading on the other. You could view this story very negatively. David, first of all, lies to a Kohen. That's never really a good look. David forces the Kohen to give him sanctified bread, which may even be the lechem upon him, very sanctified bread, also not generally something that we would look positively on. David asks for a sword. 
you might say, okay, he needs a sword. What's, what's the big deal? He needs a sword. But remember that David rises to prominence. His great moment is in killing Goliath. His great moment is in saying, I don't need Shaul's armor. I don't need uh, great weaponry. All I need is faith in Hashem. And here we, see, we seem to see David falling back uh, a step and saying, I do need a sword. And the fact that that sword is the very sword of Goliath, so it takes you back to that moment. It takes you back to where he once was. And now he, here he is, not only needing a sword, but needing the sword of Goliath, the, the person who epitomizes this, uh, uh, this, uh, the opposite worldview, who is a blasphemer, who curses out the Jewish people, who is a warrior, all of the above. So the fact that now David is using the very sword of Goliath would seem to argue very forcefully that this is, this is meant to be viewed in a negative light. And then jumping ahead, knowing, as I've alluded to already, that, that Nov will ultimately pay the ultimate price and will be ma- massacred because of helping David, albeit unknowingly, that retrospectively also makes us think about this encounter in, an, in a more negative light. So from a lot of angles, you could read this whole story as reflecting very poorly on David from a moral and religious standpoint. On the other hand, you could say, that we can excuse and we should excuse David here because he's desperate, he's starving, he's on the run and trying to save his own life. Okay, he lied to Achimelech. Uh, he had to. Not only did he have to, but you could, you could even read that in a positive. He lied to Achimelech because he wanted to protect Achimelech. He wanted to protect him from being uh, an accomplice to, to uh, D- David's escape and to David's survival. So by keeping Achimelech in the dark, he was really trying to do something quite good. And as for the sword, okay, David needs a sword. It happens to be the sword of Goliath. Fine, it happens to be the sword of Goliath. But uh, again, that's, that's really not something we can blame David for. And the fact that Ultimately, Shaul lashes out against Nov is also, that's Shaul. That's a stain on Shaul's um, record, not on David's record. So we could read this in a very forgiving way and say it ultimately reflects even positively on David, that he's fast thinking and that he protects Achimelech by keeping him in the dark in the way that he does. So I think we have really two different ways of viewing this story, and it's going to impact how we think about the next story. What happens next? David runs to Gat. Gat is one of the five major Plishti cities, and David goes there for refuge. If you want to escape the, uh, the wrath of the king, you have a price, you have a price on your head, and, uh, and you, you, you want to flee. So you go to a neighboring country, a neighboring uh, domain where the king does not have any sway. So David's running away from Shaul. He goes to the Plishtim. We can imagine that David hoped that he could just kind of slip by unnoticed and start a little bit of a new life, or at least lay low uh, among the Plishtim, but not so. Plishtim quickly notice that, uh, that this is David, and they go to the king, and they tell him, this, David, the, 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 this great man, this great general, they actually call him the king, is here in, within our gates. This is the one who they said, Shaul kills in the thousands, and David kills in the ten thousands. Quick, act and, uh, and, and, and seize him. And David realizes that he is in trouble, and he thinks, again, very quickly on his feet. He pretends to be a madman, uh, so to speak. He puts on the, the tinfoil cap so that the government can't read his thoughts. Right? He, he pretends like he's out of his mind, uh, and uh, that, that type of situation. And the king tells his men, I don't need another Meshuggah in my home. I don't need another person who's out of his mind in my home. Uh, get this guy out of here. Either he's saying, this isn't David, obviously, because... 
this this guy is just a lookalike and get him out of here? Or are you saying that even if it is David, I'm, I'm not going to do anything to this person who's clearly uh, does not have uh, his uh, his right mind? And so David is is saved by this act of quick thinking. Now here uh, again we have two readings that are available to us, and I think it. It depends on how we read the previous story. If we read the, the story at Nov as reflecting very negatively on David, that this was either a sin or a misstep or a miscalculation, we could say that this is now, when David gets to Gat, it's his punishment. David tricks Achimelech, he tricks a Kohen, and he makes this Kohen look foolish. Now David is forced to make himself act foolish, something like that. Perhaps we could even say that David taking Goliath's sword made him even easier to identify as David, because who else would be carrying around Goliath's sword? And as David says in the previous story, it's one of a kind. It's very identifiable. There's nothing like it. Maybe that's to tell us that it was an identifier uh, for him in God. The alternative would be to read this as, no, David just goes to God, and and last story was showed us David's quick thinking and and his ability to improvise and, and make the best of a difficult situation. And this story is also the, the same thing. It's just David being cunning and uh, demonstrates to us that, that David is a quick thinker and able to survive even under the, uh, the most dangerous of, uh, of circumstances. So zooming out, we have two broad ways of reading this whole parak, either in a positive light, two stories that both demonstrate David's quick thinking and cunning, and, uh, and that would be one way to read it. Or we can say that, no, this parak is a parak of sin and punishment. David sins at Nov and is punished in God. I'll leave that for you to consider. I can see it really both ways. Shoot me an email if you have a strong sense. Of course, if you have a strong sense either way, I'd like to see your textual proof. That's where the, the, the proof is. So uh, be happy to get any thoughts on the matter. That's it for today. Chazak ve'ematz and happy learning.